0: This is episode 47 with Tani Schiltz. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Right. Wow. This is one of those episodes I just couldn't get enough of. Tani is an amazing woman with such interesting and diversified life experiences and skills and purpose that are aligned and literally saving people's lives. In this episode, there's laughs and tears and so much valuable information. Tani Schultz is an experienced psychologist with a background in mental health, substance use, trauma and complex comorbid presentations and organizational psychology. (sighs) What a mouthful. For the past four years, she has specialized in critical incident response and has worked with various people involved in and affected by incidents such as the tragic passing of cricketer Philip Hughes, the Sydney Lint Cafe siege, several Royal Commissions and the Nepal Earthquakes Rescue Mission. Tani has completed psychological training with world leaders in their field is personally sought after and regularly receives exceptional feedback from nationally and internationally recognised organisations for the quality of her clinical work on cases that are highly sensitive and confidential. Tani is now the General Manager and Principal Psychologist at MateCheck. MateCheck is an award-winning mental health and wellbeing platform that bridges the gap between people needing and people getting help. ...by providing immediate access to professional support at the touch of a button. And we talk about MateCheck a lot in this episode. You'll be fully intrigued with everything Tani does and she also shares her tips on some resources... ...that we can all utilise to help our, our holistic approach to life... Now before we hear from Tani, I want to read another iTunes review because as you know, it's these iTunes reviews that help keep this podcast alive. So I'm grateful for each and every one of you who takes the time and it only takes a couple of minutes to give the five-star rating and review. And this one is from Sonia Florence. And she's titled it, Detoxing My Mind. She says, what a fantastic podcast, you must subscribe. After detoxing my body with food and going raw vegan, my body felt great, but I was still feeling stuck. After listening on and off for about eight months, I made a commitment to two podcasts a day and I chose Brett Robbo as my choice. My mind has truly detoxed through the learning, guidance, passion and motivation I get every day. First cot first podcast goes on at 5 a.m. while I train every morning and it sets the platform. I can see changes to my body and now I can hear changes in my mind through how I talk to myself and others. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, this is why I'm proud of this podcasting platform. When I get reviews and feedback like this, it cements the fact that the purpose of this platform is working. Sonia, thank you so much. I'm stoked that this has helped you in this way. I truly am. That's the exact experiences I've had from listening to podcasts over the years, so I'm happy that this podcast can do the same for others too. Thanks again, legend. Greatly appreciated. Right, now let's hear some life-changing and life-saving detail from Tani Shields.
1: Oh, what is MadeCheck? MadeCheck is a health, wellbeing and safety solution. Primarily at the moment, we're focusing on workplaces because we know that the majority of people spend the majority of their life in their workplaces, but it will be then branched out to members and people of the general community. But the main thing that we focus on is bridging the crippling gap between people who need support and don't have access to it. We do find that there are a lot of organizations at the moment that have an EAP provider, which is an employee assistance program, but the user experience isn't very nice and so the utilisation rates are usually around 3% and so how I guess normal counselling support usually works is that you've got to find a 1300 number or a 1800 number um, then once you finally found it, whether you've got to breach your own confidentiality to ask someone else to get it, but once you've got it, then you usually are on, on hold for a long time. Sometimes it's up to 20 to 30 minutes. and That's enough for someone to just hang up if they're in distress. Then they finally get to a call center and then that call center tells them that they're on a waiting list. And so what we find for most people, especially when this is a new experience for them, they're likely to put in the too hard basket and then just go and have a beer at the pub or have a glass of wine until it's a crisis. We've really turned that on its head it's accessible through an application it's free to download and there's also a desktop version if you're not tech handy and you basically just hit a button and a psychologist calls you back instantly if someone's starting the conversation for you it's free and you've never had to look for a number on a call waiting or ever wait on a waiting list So, that's kind of the first initial part of it in a nutshell, but there's many different other services that it offers.
0: And you say it's like the Fitbit of well-being. What do you mean by that?
1: Yes, it is. So, with the Fitbit, you're kind of measuring certain, I guess, health measures over time and it gives you an immediate response about what your well-being is like in that or your fitness is like in that current moment whether it's your heart rate or how many steps you've done and then it also tracks that over time and that's very much what we do from a, a well being and safety basis so um, employees fill out a survey and this survey we have we have conducted by a really senior group of psychologists working also with clinical governance and the APS, which is the Australian Psychological Society, to find the most effective way to measure levels of depression, anxiety, stress, well-being and fatigue. And we're really proud of our little survey. It only takes four seconds to complete. And from that, you immediately then get a message about what is a summary of what that your well-being level is how you sit in comparison to the rest of the world and your industry specific. And then it also then tracks on a personal dashboard your wellbeing over time. So every time you fill out that survey that t- took all of four seconds, it then tracks where you've been each time you fill it out and then gives you an intuitive insights around what your wellbeing is like. What we suggest would be simple little strategies that you could in place to start to improve your wellbeing. And then we also give you tailored resources. And those resources include podcasts and videos. worksheets and info sheets. So there's so much information out there in the world. And sometimes with organizations, they have resources and it might be one folder with 3000 and you open a couple of them and you just think, well, these aren't relevant to me. So then you give up there. We want it to be a really valuable user experience. So we only feed you five resources that are actually relevant to your level of well-being at that time. This
0: is brilliant, quite a lot of detail in that. What what kind of companies are taking it on board at the moment or is it still early days for development?
1: It's been really exciting. So we started off in 2015 and we initially went really, really slow because we wanted to make sure we had a really, really polished product. There's no point having a good idea but not a good product. We don't want you know, we're we're trying to help people who may be in distress, or you know, to improve with their self development. So we didn't want the the software itself to be distressing when we're you know trying to improve people's distress levels. So we took it really slow, but it's it's actually gone gangbusters, which has been really really precious to us. We're working in areas of, for example, aviation, education, mining and other resources. We've got uh, like sports, so like memberships in sports. What else is there, corporates, health, insurance. Um, There's a huge, it's a really wide range of companies that we're, we're working with.
0: Now obviously you mentioned that it's about bridging the crippling gap but how did it actually come about from you? How did these ideas come about? Were you exposed to this gap too often in your practices as a psychologist?
1: Yeah absolutely. So I've been practicing for the best part of 10 years. A major part of that was actually working in trauma response. So whenever there was a critical incident, so that might be a natural disaster or a a fatality, we would racing immediately after or sorry for another example might be like a terrorist attack we would immediately race in and provide support to these people and so one of the very special cases that I was working on this was back in 2015 was actually the Nepal earthquakes and so I was requested to go and help support the people that are, that had been exposed in Nepal and so they came out absolutely covered in all of the dust and the dirt and the soot from burning bodies from the earthquake um, that had happened. And I was working with a gentleman who was absolutely brilliant, um, Paul O'Brien, and he was work- he was a logistics operator working in aviation. And so we used his plane to gather all of the people and get them out of there. And then I was the trauma psychologist who debriefed d- all the people. And while we were there, we boarded the people onto a bus and I gave them some psychoeducation around the symptoms that they would experience commonly after trauma, those acute stress reactions, short-term memory loss, lower back pain, dry mouth, confusion. And I said, if any of this resonates with you, put up your hand if you'd like me, you know, to be available for some one-on-one. And every single person in the bus put their hand up. And I thought, you poor buggers, you've just been in a hor- horrendous situation, and now you're going to have to loiter around a hotel foyer until I'm ready. And we've got to make this a better user experience. You know, we I don't want you calling up and trying to book an appointment. I don't want you loitering around. And so from there, Paul O'Brien went off and and did a lot of work in um, establishing the first part of this app. And I've been now. to to completely look after this baby and so from there it's just grown more and more and more and we've that's where that fit bit of well-being we now measure people's well-being they fill out world-renowned questionnaires we give them emotional intelligence coaching so it went from kind of a small idea of this has got to be done better. And also seeing those utilisation rates when I was working in an EAP provider myself and being on on the ground and seeing what was going on. Another component of that was that we were also working a lot in mining sites, both Paul and myself. I was providing support when mines were collapsing. And a lot of the times, unfortunately, through redundancies and restructures in particular, there are a really high level of suicides. In Australia alone, on average, three to four men a week in the mining industry commit suicide. It's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And so as well, Paul O'Brien was working in aviation, doing fly in and fly out, and he was seeing the same same thing. So I think we were, I know we were both absolutely committed to improving the lives of people and knowing that this was not good enough.
0: That's brilliant. I come from a small mining community and i know i have a lot of friends and and family that work in mining industries all around the country and to see and hear you guys speak about that just in that one industry let alone every other industry i can see how impactful it will be if not already now you, mm. you mentioned that it's gone gangbusters and you <laughs> yeah. talked about some of the uh the the organizations I share
1: some <laughs> results if you'd like <laughs> please
0: do that's where i'm heading please do <laughs>
1: Okay, we feel really proud of this because I think for us at MateCheck, this we, we're incredibly passionate. Every single one from our tech developers to our psychologists to our marketing team to you know to our, our our board members, our directors, everybody, we are we are really in this, and we we're really really passionate about improving the lives and the status quo of how we support people. And so yeah, I feel really honoured to represent this for them of all the hard work that we've done. We, for example, we had I'll give you maybe two. Two or three examples so uh, we had one company at the very very start back in um, 2015 where they were having very very frequently suicides and so they were um, quite serious about trying to do anything and everything they possibly could quite desperate to to really make some changes the final straw for them was when the bus driver didn't turn up to pick them up for work and it was actually because he had also suicided and so it, the morale was just it was heartbreaking and so we they had an EAP provider but they wanted to do something else so we put mate check in, in, in place, and we found within the first 12 to 18 months that this, they'd gone from uh, one person reaching out for help in that time to 70 people reaching out for help in Make Check, and 12 of those people going into company-funded rehabilitation and returning back to work really successfully. In 18 months, we didn't have a single suicide. In comparison to almost weekly, and hence why I won't name that company because it, this is not to to look negatively on them. They were doing an incredible job. And another thing that we also put out there was that through that measure of the well-being, when people fill out the well-being survey, we're asked them to self-report their level of mood, stress, worry, quality of sleep and life satisfaction. And so from that, then we remove the personal details of the people because it's not about Big Brother. It's about giving the company some insights about the risks and the, and the emotion that's in that company. And so what they found that was a huge level of individuals were reporting high levels of fatigue and so for them they'd immediately made this assumption well of course they're fatigued they work 12 hour days in the elements or night shift you know there's nothing we can do about it and we said well let's change these assumptions because we know that this isn't working. Let's open this up to start to really genuinely understand that what their experience is like. And so we put, after they filled out the survey, there was one question on the application that said, is there things that we should know about that could improve the fatigue levels of, of our employees? They got over 420 responses and there was an incredible amount that, that said, we have a moisture problem in our camp. And our pillows and beds are moldy. They couldn't believe it. Why hadn't someone come to complain about it? But the idea of a bloke complaining about a pillow, it suddenly then made sense. And so credit to the company, they changed camps, they improved, uh, they changed all of their bedding and fatigue had a huge improvement and overall employee engagement and well-being went from 51% to 82%. In just a week. So we had this huge improvement from um, from doing something so simple. But that moisture problem could have also led to psychological workers' compensation claims and also physical health if, if those mould spores got into their lungs. Sometimes it, it's not It doesn't have to be quite a psychological improvement to to improve the psychological experience for an employee. Sometimes it's something really practical that unless you actually give a good, I guess, foundation for someone to be able to express those things, it's just always going to fall on deaf ears. Another client that we feel really proud of, and this is far more recently, in the last 35 weeks, we've been running MateCheck in another company. Again, they only had one person who'd reached out for help in a year. And in the last six months, they didn't have a single person who'd reached out for help using Their EAP provider. We've had Matecheck running at the same time, and in that time, we have provided 290 counselling sessions. Of those counselling sessions, we had several people who returned back over time, and this was adolescents, these were couples' counselling. There was a, a huge amount, it was actually matched that. The gender ratio in this company is two-thirds male and one-third female, and it worked pretty much spot on with the the engagement with the employees as well. Through the app, as I was saying, because it measures your well-being and it also gives you insights and resources, even if you don't want help, you're there more so for increased personal development or for performance, the app is still incredibly relevant to you. We had over 600 uses of the app in just those 35 weeks. We also had three major cases that were pursued Legal action against the company drop through sub- mitigating support. So, we mitigated those issues through counselling support, and we also measure the, the user experience. You know, it's important for us to ask people, you know, what's their experience of MateCheck? check. There were it, there's 267 people in this workforce, and we received 216 anonymous feedback information back. And on a scale, we how the measure worked is it was on a scale of zero to ten, with zero being not likely to recommend MateCheck check, and ten being extremely likely to recommend us. And of the average of the 216 evaluation feedback, we received an average of 9.2. So that was, that's been really special. We also, again, in that 35 weeks, have not had a single suicide.
0: Brilliant. That is absolutely mind-blowing. You're literally... Saving people's lives—it's
1: been far beyond what we ever imagined. We, you know, we don't consider ourselves powerful, you know, by any way. We're here to just, you know, try to do our best to help people. But it was really, actually, it was really special to to start to see some of these results that we, you know, what we're hoping to do seems to be working. That you know, the user experience for these people is is simple and easy and respectful and empowering. It's wonderful.
0: Well, you might not look at it as powerful, but I certainly do. But I guess what it just proves. <laughs> is that it's necessary and as you would know way better than me but you know mental health issues are a real and deep, impactful thing in our in our communities, in every country in the world. So a massive, massive shout out and congratulations to you guys and the team behind MakeCheck. That's absolutely phenomenal.
1: Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's nice to be able to share really special results like that.
0: And it's just the beginning too.
1: Yes, it is. It's absolutely. Um, watch this space, I dare say. <laughs> There's some really big, really big things coming along that I can't really share at this point, but I'm almost wiggling in my chair with excitement to share.
0: I love it. I can hear it within (laughs) your voice. That's brilliant. Now, Tani, before we dive deeper into a bit more of your interesting life and where all this has come from and your perception of the world, I want to say welcome to your life of impact.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Wow, <laughs> I feel a little bit old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because you have a lot of wisdom and a, and a good perception of the world, is that why?
1: <laughs> or, or maybe because we can start to summarise my life already? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not here to summarise it. I just want some amazing perceptions. That's what I love about diving into people's minds. Now, Tani, we've been connected through a mutual connection and a former legend of a podcast guest on this show, and that's that's the humble, genuine legend, Kath Cashel from the Kindness Factory, and yes, all our regular listeners know. I often talk about Kath in my short episodes, and and uh, obviously had her on for the long interview. All the regular listeners know her roller coaster of a journey, and she actually spoke about you on her episode because you are her psychologist. And I know, due to confidentiality reasons, that you can't really talk about Kath as a client. But what an amazing human being she is.
1: Oh, she, uh, she is just phenomenal. She is, she is beyond this world. <laughs> She just inspires me every single day. I think we are just so lucky as humans to have her on this earth. Um, she's got such a, a beautiful soul and an incredible deep sense of meaning and purpose and kindness. I just, I feel so fortunate and privileged to know her and, and so privileged that she had the bravery to trust me to go on this journey with her. She's, yeah, I, I cannot speak more highly of Kath. She's, a, as you said, she's an absolute legend. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's
0: very reciprocal and I knew due to confidentiality that you wouldn't be able to talk about Kath's journey in more depth than what you just have. So I reached out to Kath and asked her if she could share her experiences uh, Of her time with you as her therapist and this is what she said and she said that she's more than happy for me to mention this so just so you know as I'm reading this out she responded and she said it's pretty heavy stuff but I owe Tani my life literally and metaphorically it was Tani's exploration into my cortisol levels that led to discovering my tumors this year without her love as a professional in brackets support guidance and generosity with time, I would not be half the person I am today. Tani has been the biggest life influence for me to date. I feel that any achievements and the impact that I have on the world is a reflection of time that I have spent with Tani, which makes me want to be a better person and makes me work harder at being a better person every day. And then... She's been a really big influence on my life. And as I said, she's someone who has not only allowed me to overcome multiple adversities, but has also made me a better person in the process.
1: Oh my God, that's so beautiful. That's you. I didn't expect to cry on this podcast. Oh. Oh, she's just so beautiful.
0: I often say that she amazes me, and uh, with her attitude, and you know, one of the reasons why she's alive is literally due to kindness and her attachment to that. And after reading that and and talking to Kath more in detail, a big big part of the reason why she's alive is because of you.
1: Well, I I, I care about her so much, and I yeah, I mean you. She, 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 I mean, she owes everything she has to herself. But I'm I'm just so grateful that my genuine care for her and the insights that I was able to share with her. I'm just so grateful that she was able to trust me and to go on this journey with me to explore this. God, she certainly doesn't owe her life to me, but I'm I'm so grateful I could help her along the way. That I could be a nice experience for her and to give her back some energy because she gives so much back to the world. And I think that's what we're doing. So often we're just we're trading energy, and sometimes we've got enough to. And sometimes we burn the candle on both ends, and we we need it to go, to go come from somewhere else. And I'm just I'm grateful that I was able to cross her path in that time and to give her a bit of mine. That's so kind of her, though. Thank you very much for reading that. I don't think I I would have ever ever seen that or known that otherwise. I, I think I would have known that because she's she has a huge amount of kindness and gratitude. But it's interesting. You never, as a psychologist, you you never seek that, um, and it's not part of. Um, you know you're there to do the best you can for that person and it's kind of it's very selfless so you you know you you might sit down and make sure that it's been helpful for them or that you know you've achieved that person's goals or you've you've ensured that you've understood them and they felt heard and that you've been helpful but you never ask for a summary like that so that's a pretty you know kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to get some you know feedback like that that's really really lovely
0: well I'm grateful that I could provide that feedback I'm extremely grateful that you both crossed paths too now you mentioned there the language that you used around energy and an exchange of energy and with my talks with Kath I realized that you've obviously got more of a holistic approach to your work as a psychologist and looking at it person as a whole and not just their current needs when they see you, what, what does it mean for you to work with a person in that way?
1: I think it is it's really important like we're never ever going to get the best results if we're not seeing the bigger picture you know i th- I think that even comes down to something kind of even from a more scientific or kind of clinical setting that i I don't think you go to a head doctor or a body doctor you know if you if you go to a head doctor and you don't kind of appreciate someone's energy and their social life their gut health their physical health, then you're never going to get the whole result you're only going to get one part of it and I think it's the same with physically if you If you look at someone physically, but you don't take care of their spirit and their will and their determination and their emotional well-being, then you're never going to get everything out of their physical well-being. And that includes, you know, if it's physical rehabilitation that, you know, a huge amount of someone having the grit to, you know, get through rehabilitation when they're working on their leg or their arm or, you know, a shoulder surgery is their spirit, you know, that if, if their spirit is strong, their determination, they feel a sense of meaning in their suffering, that, you know, we can get through the most horrendous of experiences in our life, but we you really have to look after someone's spirit. And that's above and beyond someone's I guess, psychological capacity or cognitive capacity or physical capacity. I think it is really important you look at the bigger picture.
0: Where does that come from within you? Is that extra studies you've done or is that just a lot of extra interest that you've developed over the years?
1: I think it's probably a bit of both. I think naturally as a child, I was just a really curious child and probably a little bit more sensitive. I, you know, I, you know, I took time to kind of think about things and try to understand the cause and effect from kind of a bigger picture. And also, I guess over time, I I love learning. It's an absolute life passion of mine. And so, you know, I... I will find myself reading anything and everything. It doesn't matter, even if it's not something of natural interest to me. I am, I think, that curious nature. I also, when I was young, I was, for some reason, I was absolutely fascinated by the Holocaust. So I read a huge amount. I think one of the first main books I ever read as a little child was Number the Stars, which is actually about the Holocaust. And, you know, that sense of meaning in our suffering, that sometimes things are put on us that we we cannot escape. We just cannot escape. And how do we find strength and purpose in a time where, where everything that meant anything to us has been stripped away from us, and so I think through that I really started to appreciate how important spirit is, and our gut health is, and our our sense of meaning and purpose and connection and energy with the world. So yeah, I think it kind of started from really young. I, I actually I found a diary from when I was fourteen years old, and in the diary it actually said that I wanted to be a psychologist, which. I think it's so bizarre because I can't even remember knowing what a psychologist was at 14. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, absolutely.
1: But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm just fascinated by the brain and kind of law as well. And I think when you think about kind of law, it really the, the greatest law, the final law is us. Our perception is our reality and we create law based on that perception. So I really wanted to kind of understand the mind and you know, the bigger picture of what influences that.
0: Reading books like that at that age, I can see why you were drawn to trauma psychology. You mentioned there yes. before about your interest around the brain and gut health and things like that. I found it really interesting when I was reading your bio on LinkedIn that you were uh, an expert panelist on the <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I quit sugar. Panel, yes. tell me a little bit about that.
1: So it's it's really interesting. I guess any, and this is just my viewpoint. I, I guess you know there are so many different ways that you know you can kind of skin a cat, so to speak. And so this is just kind of one snapshot of it. But it's interesting. A lot of kind of our cravings, you know, they're they're tied to you know obviously emotions and having an emotional experience. And withdrawing from sugar can actually be quite a traumatic experience. A lot of the things we never do anything dysfunctional for a for a, or we do everything that dysfunctional for a functional reason. So whether it's consuming too much sugar or fat or self-harming or being cruel to others, whatever it is, we do that dysfunctional thing for a functional reason that we're you know still fighting to be able to meet our needs and to feel complete. And so a lot of the times when you withdraw off sugar, you actually, a lot of those old traumas or needs we start to come to the surface. People can become suicidal from withdrawing from sugar. It can start to trigger old traumas. A lot of kind of that that's low self-esteem and intimacy. Securities um, feeling kind of quite emotional, almost like I guess when you're coming down from drugs. That you know people kind of almost become a little bit more needy and lost and unsure of themselves. They feel experience physical pain, bleep restlessness, cravings, yes, yeah, and some kind of listlessness and confusion. Yeah, it's re- it's really interesting what quitting sugar can bring up for a person. And so the wonderful people that I quit sugar were very clued on about that and wanted to make sure that they gave a professional experience and a holistic experience, so that it wasn't just a book that told people to quit sugar. Um, and they also recruited a 24-hour panel of people who would be able to support them through that experience and help them explain and and resolve some of the the emotions and thoughts and feelings that were coming up.
0: Interesting. I didn't realise that it was that big of a deal for for people, but it makes complete sense because everything has an emotional attachment.
1: Hmm. Yep. And it's just that holiness and neediness, you know, that comes when we're withdrawing sugar. You know, we can misalignment. Align that with what's that for? I guess the same as as I said before, when you're you're coming down from drugs, and we know sugar is is incredibly addictive, but there, a lot of times people do feel quite needy and emotional and lost when they're withdrawing from drugs, and they find it hard to kind of pair. This is just my body having a ke- chemical withdrawal, and instead, it's you know it, we start to think, what does this mean? Are people going to leave me? Have I ma- made nothing of my life? Have I got no self-control? Am, you know, am I am I at the whim of my external world and, and and unable to control myself? There's lots of things that start to come up.
0: Actually. I'm on a sugar free week this week. I don't really eat much sugar, but I am addicted to lint 90% chocolate. So there is a little (laughs) bit of sugar in that. And over the Christmas, (laughs) just a little bit. I think there's six grams per hundred. And and I love my dark chocolate. My gorgeous fiance often cooks us up some homemade dark stuff so we don't have to uh, even have that little bit of sugar. But we we indulged a bit over the Christmas period and we decided, all right, we're going to have a week of just no sugar at all, like no added sugar of anything at all. So, last night I found myself creeping around because we hadn't made any chocolate and thought, I've never had a sugar craving but I just really want chocolate. If there was milk chocolate here right now, I'd probably eat it (laughs) and I don't usually eat it. It's a bizarre thing.
1: And I guess that you know it can be tied to a couple of other things as well, apart from just sugar it's like it's a it's just to treat you know it's it's nice to you know treat ourselves to look after ourselves and sometimes you know it, even if it's like buying an overpriced magazine or you know sometimes we do we do things because it's just the act of looking after ourselves. And other times it's just out of sheer sheer boredom that we go into autopilot of what do we do when we're bored. For many of us, we get up and look in the cupboard. (laughs) (laughs) Something to do.
0: (laughs) It was definitely a treat that I was looking for. Now, human behavior really intrigues me and I've all, I'm always pumped to talk to professionals like yourself, as I mentioned at the beginning, so I can learn more from your professional approach, but also your professional perspective. Now, I've done a lot of work with acceptance and commitment therapy and attended uh, mm-hmm. Russ Harris's courses, and I've been on the receiving end of it with a lot of work I've done with my own psychologist over the years and uh, read the books and just, I, I can't recommend that highly enough. Is is this a philosophy that you use?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, acceptance and commitment therapy is absolutely brilliant and I think there's there's a lot to it more so. It's very simple and I think there's also a lot of intelligence in something that's simple but there's almost like a huge amount of intellect and sophistication behind almost the algorithm of acceptance and commitment therapy that, you know, and even if you don't want to dive that deep, you're going to be almost activating some really positive changes in the brain from doing it. And I guess one of the things I really like about acceptance and commitment therapy is that it's increasing mindfulness and self-awareness. So, you know, in order to accept something, you need to be aware of it. And acceptance doesn't mean that you agree with it. It just means that you have the ability to be able to name that it exists and move on. And that improves our ability to notice things without being distracted. It also improves our, our ability to not be distressed or consumed by an experience and it also means that we're empowered when knowledge is power. So if we learn the coping strategies to be able to name what's going on in our internal or an external world, then we then have, I guess, the split second to not be reactive as, and to be responsive. So. I guess a lot of the times when we, it's interesting when people have emotions and you ask them. So, for example, anger. What you know, what does anger feel like? And a lot of people actually can't answer it. They're absolutely stumped. They all say the action that happens after the emotion is experienced. So they'll say, "Oh, I put my hand through a wall," or "I scream at someone," or "I, you know, I run off." But no, that's not what anger is. That's the behaviour that in that you are responding to the anger with. So. When you actually sit with someone and say, start to dig deep in yourself, most of the times when we think about our emotions, it actually usually comes from our precious organs, that there are actually more neurons inside your gut than there are in your brain. And and, and about 80% of the serotonin that we produce, that feel-good emotion actually comes from the gut. So we've got to think about the wisdom that's going on in in our precious organs. So when your heart pounds and your stomach twists and your intestines tighten, it sends a message to your brain to say that you're under threat. And that activates then cortisol and adrenaline and shuts that higher order thinking down. And you're in that kind of fight, flight, freeze or faint primal mode. And so what ACT does is it allows you to sit and think, What is that? What does that emotion feel like? And so then you can name those physical sensations. So it might be, for example, my heart rate increases. I start to feel hot. I get clammy uh, palms, I clench my jaw, I clench my shoulders, my stomach feels empty and deep, Uh, my head and my shoulders feel heavy. So I get tunnel vision, I go red. So you start to actually have physical sensations and instead of them being things that you are scared of, they actually become your friend, they become your warning sign. So that when you experience them, before you've even done anything to damage yourself or your environment, you can then say, I know what this is, this is that anger. And then once you know what that is, you are now in this wonderful space where you can think, and what do I want to do about it? So that's then you can make that commitment to be able to say, I'm going to walk into the other room or, you know, I'm going to say to that person, I'm just not feeling myself right now and remove yourself from that environment or choose how you'd like to respond. So it can be incredibly powerful by just accepting the experience committing to it and how you're going to respond to it it's incredibly therapeutic
0: I could talk to you all day about that I love <laughs> it I love to hear people like yourself go into detail around that like you said it's it can seem like a very simple surface level but it's very intelligent of how deep you can go and really really understand yourself at that deeper level Once again my ears prick there when you started to talk about the connection with the gut and the gut health and I've done a lot of work with I have my own coach who's also a functional medicine practitioner uh, Carl who we've had on the podcast a couple of times. From I'm interested to know from your the way that you work as a psychologist and with clients and you know that connection deep down. Do you refer do you have people in your team, other professionals in that space, either functional medicine or naturopaths that you that you work with with your people, with your clients?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes our clients will already have somebody like if they're, um, for example, like a, a, a professional sports player, a lot of the time they might have their own physio, their own doctor and their own uh, naturopath or nutritionist. And so I'm very much around co- collaborating and identifying what are our key roles and goals and so I guess when now that Kath has mentioned it for example looking at cortisol for example and so we reached out and we worked to say with her with her doctor and her and her health professionals say we I need these particular tests I want you to run your HDLD or I I need you to run you know particular tests on these things and we collaborate together sometimes they're part of our internal team we've got some absolutely brilliant highly you know passionate enthusiastic educated people that work inside our team and we also work with whatever is either in that person's community or whoever they're already connected to at the time.
0: I love that connection. I love that teamwork. That's awesome. Now, I also say I believe the most powerful thing on the planet is the human brain and we all have one. So I say to people, (laughs) why not learn to take the best version of you with you everywhere you go? And Mm -hmm. I teach people how to understand our thought processes and emotional intelligence and the stories that we create and cause our limiting beliefs and things like that. But I'm curious to know from you, Tani, do you believe that human behavior and mindset and emotional awareness, etc., should be taught to us from a young age like basic maths and English are at school? And if so, how much do you think this would make society differ if that were the case?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really nice question. And I, I do, I really do. You know, so much of, you know, part of it is just that we, we, we don't need a manual for it all. You know, part of the joy of life is figuring it out for ourselves and tripping over ourselves a bit. That's kind of almost the same as, you know, we, we could, once upon a time, we could only crawl and we couldn't walk and we had to get up and bash our knees a couple of times before we got there. Um, but I think that, uh, kind of teaching people mindfulness and people, teaching people about how the brain works and its capacity and that it's malleable and, you know, that, that kind of attitude that, well, this is just who I am and you need to accept it is just not the case at all. You know, with structure and repetition, we have complete control over so much. Of our, our capacity and our ability. And, and that's such a freeing thing to know um, that we can, if we set our minds to something, and for some person it might take them 200 goes, the other person it might take them 20, but we can get there. We can literally grow neural pathways. And so much of, I think, the turmoil and fear that happens in people when, when they're younger and even throughout life is not knowing that they don't feel like they have that freedom that they feel stuck. And so, you know, why would you try something that you think it just there is no capacity to do that? And I guess, you know, in the in the first world, we're very fortunate that we've got a huge amount of literature and information available to us. And I guess on the other hand, in in underdeveloped areas that they've got the the joy of, of time, you know, they can still sit on a tractor and ponder and think and create. Um, And I think to kind of almost bring the world together, it would be really wonderful if in education we were teaching people more around the brain. Um, and, and the brain not just necessarily being you know in our head, but our whole body brain, our sense of kind of spiritual being and capacity. I think it would just be so fun to learn. Uh, maybe I'm biased because I just can't get enough of this stuff, but I think it would be just so precious for people to know.
0: Absolutely, and the more I learn about it, the more I wish that I knew more about it at a younger age and talking with professionals like yourself and a lot of podcast guests that – that teach it in different ways and i i often ask them because i believe that that's probably a, a possibly a missing link within education systems mm,
1: absolutely so much there would be so much less suffering whether it's you know through trauma or feeling lonely or feeling stuck that we could alleviate and and really improve the quality of people's lives if they knew that this information
0: Absolutely. You mentioned their mindfulness. Do you have any tools or resources you can suggest to the listeners that they can start exploring or implementing to help them with their holistic outlook on life? Any apps or great resources for them?
1: You know, we learn more, particularly in the first world, we learn more in a single day than we used to learn in a lifetime. And that's pretty hard for us. We've kind of got almost like open boxes in our head that never get a chance to be sorted through and resolved. Whereas Back in the day, we might have learned that Betty down the street has three cows and the chicken laid six eggs. Um, These, you know, we had we had time on our hands to reflect and to make meaning of things and to be present in the moment. Whereas now we're you know we're eating while we're watching TV and we're on our phone and just on our Facebook feed we might learn you know how many boyfriends are better than ours and what Vladimir Putin's doing and what Trump's doing. We're just we're bombarded with information and we just don't have time to process it. So I think things that can create a lot more richness and and realizing just how fortunate we are in this world is just simple things like having a shower and when you stand in that shower to feel that that clean, warm water on your body that we are so lucky to have fresh, clean water. Um, Or when you eat something to actually stop and think and notice what is it about that food that you like? Is it the texture? Is it the is it the flavor? Is it the smell? you know what does it bring up experiences or memories for you you know what is it about that experience that makes it so rich often when we do two things at once uh, or more more things at once we're literally robbing ourselves of that experience and I think that's where a lot of that kind of those cravings and that emptiness comes from that when we're experiencing something we're not even really experiencing it and so we're kind of craving to go back for more we overindulge and and we feel empty because of it so I think just stopping and slowing down in life and just being a little bit more observant and rich in the moment does a huge amount in itself.
0: Brilliant. And I've, the Smiling Mind and Headspace apps, I highly recommend them too. And I'm going to link those in the show notes for everyone listening. Now, I was going to ask you a question that I ask all my guests around Actionable advice, I'm not sure if you just answered it there, but I want to ask you anyway, what specific advice can you give to the listeners on what action they can take to become more impactful in their lives and in their communities?
1: Oh, So, uh, yes, you, you're right. That previous question probably answers one part but now you've given me the opportunity to talk even more (laughs) (laughs) who would have known I was so nervous about doing this at the start and now you can't shut me up Um, I guess because I just I'm passionate about this stuff so hopefully it all makes sense that I I love it let it ooze (laughs) So I guess that, you know, that would be my first part is, you know, starting to tap into some of these brilliant resources that are there, like Headspace and Smiling Minds and just being more present in the moment. We feel richer for it. But I guess to add another piece there in terms of what we can do to have an impact on our lives and in, in, you know, in our communities is that I'm a really big believer. I know that, you know, selfishness has this, it's got this really bad connotation about it. And I, I don't think it really should, that I think if we all, and I'm kind of with my finger now kind of tracing around my face here, but if we all took the time to just sort ourselves out, to work on ourselves, the world would actually be a better place. You know, we would have less chips on our shoulders and less grudges and less a sense of revenge, you know, a a less sense of kind of emptiness that it's giving yourself that permission to, you know, to to look after yourself is something I would really, really ask of people. And in doing so, I think a lot of that is around kind of developing a purpose and meaning. And I know that that's something we kind of talk about a lot, but I think there's probably, you know, good merit as to why that. And I mean, there is no right or wrong, you know, correctly or not. my, My kind of belief is that there really isn't kind of you know, a purpose in life, so to speak. You know, there's many purposes in life, but, you know, kind of down to the bottom line, there almost isn't a purpose in life. And we are so, it's such a wonderful thing that we're left with this kind of blank slate to be the best version of ourselves and to make it what we can. And so I think when we develop a sense of purpose, it, it just gives us it gives us guidance and meaning and determination fulfillment love kindness calmness reassurance it just gives us so much and Purpose can be on almost an hour by hour basis. It can be on a day by day basis, and it can be on in terms of a bigger picture life purpose. You know, I, I think that's such an important thing for people to think like, what does this all mean to me? And when we start to develop that a sense of meaning, it gives us guidance that instead of being reactive to people, whether they're bullying us or they're cruel to us, taking advantage of us, or even being too, you know, very kind to us, that you know, when we're stuck of knowing, you know, what should I do in this moment? That you kind of you go back to your backbone and your values, and you always act in line with those values. You know, as opposed to you made me do this, or I did this because you did that. That that sense of ownership and accountability. I think you know we should all take a level of responsibility in our life. I think that is a really good thing for ourselves and for our community. And in saying that, I mean almost in, even to the depth of suffering. You know, there are some people that I've been very fortunate to cross path with, paths with my own life or even when we talk about things like the Holocaust. You know, finding even meaning in your suffering is such an enriching and incredible and important thing to have that, you know, to suffer unnecessarily is a kind of almost a bit sadistic. You know, it's not... It's not needed at all, but in times when we, 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 some, an experience has been imposed upon us, you know, we, in order to, it, I think it's so important that we are able to take the time to create a meaningful narrative for that. There's a difference between resolved trauma and unresolved trauma that with unresolved trauma, it, it kind of still paralyzes us. It almost becomes the totality of our existence. But when we take the time to, Understand the, our perception and create an empowering narrative and a meaningful what we want to do with that information to help us in the future. And then we can, we will, st- we won't forget it. I'd have to give someone a frontal lobotomy for them to forget about their trauma, but they are able to then look back on that experience without it paralysing them, and for them to um, find, I guess, some some direction in what they want to do. And to you know, there's opportunity in all adversity. And so I think that that's such a wonderful precious thing for everybody to have if they can find meaning and purpose. I hope that makes sense.
0: <laughs> wow. What I might actually do is we're going to do a round two and I'm just going to press record and I'm just going to say, Tani, just let it go. <laughs> 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 just give us all the information you've got. I could have listened to that. I sounded, I thought I was listening to an audio book there for a little bit. That was a...
1: <laughs> yeah, probably because I took so damn long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but well, that's what I like, lots of detail. <laughs>
1: I don't know if I've got any more to say about that, but.
0: Of course yeah, you do, I- but. <laughs> we don't. We we could oh, we could talk about it all day. There's absolutely no doubt. And a lot of those things you mentioned about, you know, the power of people taking the time to work on themselves and understanding their values, their purpose, whether their purpose is their life purpose. Or so I, I really like the way that you put it of you know purpose from hour to hour and day to day, but really understanding their why and and wanting to do it for themselves and in line with their values. And I think that mentors and professionals like yourself and coaches can be a really good guide and they're vitally important for us to navigate the challenging landscapes of life and you're undoubtedly an amazing mentor to many people but I want to know about mentors for you and I ask this question to everyone if you could ask just one question to any mentor of yours in the world who would it be and what would you ask? And this doesn't have to be a current mentor that you have. It can be someone maybe in one of the books that you read when you were young uh, or someone that you wished you'd asked uh, a question to that's been a mentor previously.
1: Mm. It's, um, it's a big question for me actually this one because nothing actually really comes to mind immediately like I don't – I've observed that I'm not naturally someone that like wishes I was had dinner with a movie star and you know hang out with them all questions that I have I've asked but at the same time I love learning and am inspired by people every single day sometimes in the smallest of capacity that every time I get my coffee from them they always smile and look me in the eyes to people who are just going through just the the most horrific tragedies on earth and um, in absolutely in awe of their strength and and elegance in which they do it. But I guess if I, you kind of, you probably inspired me a little bit there by even thinking about the bigger picture of even, you know, some of the books that I've read. And I guess a great person that comes to mind that I think deserves a lot of credit is Viktor Frankl. um, And he is, he was actually in the Holocaust and actually Kath Cashel gave me his book, which is The Meaning of Life. And he was in the Auschwitz concentration camp. And I I think if I, I've probably got two questions, actually, two funny things that I, I think about a little bit that I'm quite interested in and would love to get his perspective on. And one of them, I guess, would be around enduring love. So many people are lonely in this world but are full of love and that actually really breaks my heart. It makes me really sad just thinking about it, particularly as we get older and there's a lot of people who are alone and I guess what he thinks are kind of are the characteristics that improve someone's chances of experiencing enduring love from another. know we're very fortunate um, most of us that love comes in and out of our life you know at some point that we do experience love but you know what are those kind of things that allow us to experience enduring love from another often we love somebody but they're not with us or we can't have them what are the things that I guess allow someone to be there with us forever. And another one that's actually probably a little bit quirky, but I am really fascinated by it, particularly, I guess, because I look at things from a a holistic self and the impact of even just your organs. And as they change those physical sensations in your body, how they can change your, your complete sense of being and almost kind of spirit in a way. His insights in terms of the impact when we have an energy that's near us, that just makes us completely coil. I don't know if you've ever had that before, but there's, when there's someone near you and you just feel, it it activates the threat response. You just don't feel safe. You just are almost paralyzed beyond your even rational cognitive choice to do so you just lose your sense of self. You either you stutter or you can't, you're, you're not confident, you're not outgoing anymore. It's, it's a really crippling experience. When, and often sometimes that person, only after you get to know them or they get to know you, and maybe it is the exchange of getting to know one another that you actually now feel safe in their presence. But it, I think it's such a, an interesting phenomenon that that instinctual part of your body can absolutely coil So that almost your spirit is paralyzed when you're around particular energy that makes you feel threatened and unsafe. Does that make
0: sense? Of course it makes sense. Once again, (laughs) I was just letting you let it out. That's brilliant. I love uh, Viktor Frankl's work and read A Man's Search for Meaning and understood the logotherapy that he created afterwards. I think that's very, very impactful. So it doesn't surprise me that he's someone that you would ask a question to. Now, Tani, I'm a very values-based, driven person and one of my top core values is giving and I'll give all my guests something for giving their time and abundance of value on the podcast. And for you, I'm going to send you one of my uh, life teas where 100% of the profits go towards the chosen charities of the elite athletes who have designed the tea. So, you'll be getting one of those to say a massive thank you for your time on the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'll oh, wear it with a lot of pride. You're a wonderful man. Thank you so much, Brett.
0: Of course, my pleasure. Now, just to finish off, where can our listeners learn more about you? So, where can they find you online and how can I and the listeners help you on your Journey?
1: um, I don't have a personal website or anything like that. I'm on LinkedIn. So, you know, if you would like to connect with me, I'd love to. You can request to be connected with me on LinkedIn. But I guess in terms of helping me on my bigger journey. I might feel like a little bit cheesy, but it probably just comes down to, I guess, get each person giving themselves permission to look after themselves and to really kind of dedicate a life to self-kindness and world kindness. And I guess if I was to be a little bit selfish, then the other request would be to kind of get on board with asking their workplace to get involved with Check. You know, I'd, I'd really am it's it's an extension of who I I am as a person I'm really dedicated to doing whatever I can to to improve to improve people's lives or to even create a foundation to help them in any way I can and so I really believe in mate check and so if if people wanted to our website is www.matecheck m-a-t-e like mate on your mate Um, and then check I guess this is your kind of almost pocket mate that checks out looks out for you Dot com So, www.matecheck.com. It would be really, yeah, really special to me if more people wanted to get involved, get their workplace involved in Matecheck.
0: It's far from selfish for you to ask that because you've already shown, proven to us how life saving it is. So, I'll link all that up in the show notes too. Tani, you're Thanks a you legend. Much. You're a humble, <laughs> genuine, courageous soul. Keep shining your holistic well-being light to the world.
1: Thank you so much, Brett. This has been a really, really—it's uh, my first experience of podcast. I've done a lot of talking, um, public talking, but not a podcast. And yes, um, I love first-time
0: podcasters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you so much for your really thoughtful, gorgeous questions and your, your, you know, your reinforcement. This is—I've had the time of my life. It's been wonderful. Thank you.
0: No, thank you. Boom, boom, boom. Everything dysfunctional is for a functional reason. What an awesome perspective and holistic approach to the world and to life that Tani has. You heard Tani talk a lot about values, purpose, acceptance and commitment therapy, understanding your thoughts, mindsets, all the valuable tools and habits in life that I teach people to help them live in alignment and achieve achieve their goals and visions. And if you're keen to optimize any of these areas of your life, reach out to me uh, via email brett at lifeintentional.com.au or any direct messages through Instagram or Facebook on at Life for Excellence. That's at L I F E F O R xlns or simply jump onto the website at yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching and contact me from there this podcasting journey is such an epically unfolding journey and i'm always excited to share it with you make sure you check out tani online and share the Maycheck platform to help save and change more people's lives and as always remember this is your life journey your life of impact